Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to the Never Heard of It podcast. A Night Shift Radio original. Every week we bring you the good, the bad, the weird, and lesser known streaming movies. Hit subscribe for new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. Uh, Michael. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to alarm you. But also, yeah. I, I think I do want to alarm you. There's there's something behind you. Oh my God, don't look. Jeez. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Hooded figure in the back. Red lights. It's like a uh, demon portal in here. Uh, it's like some sort of hell house. Uh, <laughs> hi, everybody. Welcome to this bonus episode of the Never Heard of a Podcast. So for those of you watching on YouTube, you just got all of those uh, visual <laughs> jokes. Uh, for those of you listening on your podcast player of choice, uh, I have uh, my, my room is red lights and I have a giant uh, cloak hanging from my uh, bedroom door yes. kind of off in the corner. Yes. And this is, of course, an homage to... Uh, uh, Hell House LLC, which is the film we will be covering this coming Sunday. The the final episode of our found footage October, curated by none other than Casey Ryan of the Superpod Hero Cast and Where No Mom Has Gone Before. Uh, and what, what what a fucking fun month it's been. Like Casey yeah. is, a, is something of a connoisseur of found footage films, much as Michael is of rom coms. And uh, I just I, I I love I love digging deep into people's uh, specific interests and. Learning like what like what really may like get you going when it comes to film and Casey he really delivered. Uh, we we've we've covered ghosts, we've covered Bigfoots, we've covered possible like actual expeditions into literal hell uh, under the city of Paris, and we're we're rounding it out with uh, what what Casey promises to be the scariest of the month. Uh, so make sure you get your brown pants on before uh, before <laughs> watching this film. And uh, be on the lookout for some uh, some hooded, cloaked figures in the darkness. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a pretty crazy month. So uh, very excited for this. And uh, you know what? I I will actually do this. Uh, I will create a playlist of all of the found footage movies Ooh. we've actually ever done, which only includes like one or two other films. Yeah, we don't do them too um, often. Yeah, but we'll I'll actually create a playlist of all the episodes of us covering found footage films and I will uh tweet that out over on the Nahoit Podcast Twitter. That's the Nahoit Podcast, mm -hmm. the N H O I T podcast, or also on the Night Shift Media Group uh Twitter, which is Night Shift MG. Um so definitely check that out. You guys can get kind of a fun little playlist of all the episodes uh, -huh. uh about us watching the found footage films that we have watched so far. You know what? I know it's just like a cloak 
but like I had, I, I told you this, I had my, my window shrunk down during our uh, previous recording session, so I couldn't see it. And yeah. uh, I expanded it out to get the full effect uh, as we were doing this episode. But like, no, I can't do it. it. Like, it actually is a little too spooky. I I'm not gonna lie to you. During our, our episode when we recorded for LLC, uh, House LLC, I kept like singing it the in corner, the corner yeah, of the screen. And I was like, that. oh shit, what is that? <laughs> no, I was like, wait, what is? And I was like, oh right, you idiot, I, you put it there. <laughs> it's just a little <laughs> too unsettling for my taste. It is a little. It is a little too unsettling. I did a good job. I'm really excited. Uh, yeah. So so we've got that coming up for you. Uh, you know, make sure you're hitting subscribe uh, on this. So, you know, one, you get notified with bonus episodes like this. Yeah. And then you get notified when our brand new episodes drop. Brand new movie. Every Sunday, we cover a new movie. You know, thinking about back to our found footage month, you know, we did cover monsters. Mm-hmm. We covered ghosts. Mm-hmm. We covered demons. We covered actual hell. Mm-hmm. If we had covered Cloverfield, I think we would have covered pretty much all of it, yeah, right? Because that would have added us a found footage alien aliens, film. Yeah. Um, and then... There's uh what what was the the one that Casey pointed out that was like the found footage like superhero slash sci-fi oh uh, yeah um, chronicle. chronicle chronicle yeah, yeah. So, like, and there's the superhero one it's funny because yeah. at the beginning of this month we were doing that speculation of like are like is there really much in the found footage uh, subgenre that like like starts to stray out of the horror genre as a whole. And we couldn't really think of any. Uh, and it, Casey, like as soon as that episode dropped was quicker, like, Nope, Chronicle. And I'm like, God damn Chron- it. You yeah, are that was right, the one. sir. You were right. I, you, you know what I think would be really cool if there was a found footage horror film, but it was all during the day. Mm. Because, like, all found footage films are always at night in these creepy things. But, like, what if there was one that was just fucking daylight all the time and it'd still do the creepy corner of your eye type stuff? Like, I still think there's something there. That's what I think. So much of paranormal activity is reported to take place at night, I think, largely because... You know, that this is, I was telling you earlier about the, the SciShow episode I was watching and how he basically ruins all hauntings. Uh, but they get into the signs of the eyes, the, the rods and cones, how they're designed for seeing color or versus seeing, like, being able to see in low light and how, like, one is more dominant in your periphery uh, to allow you to recognize motion. One, it's all, like, evolutionary, like, survival techniques, right? Right. Uh, yes. And in lower light, you're getting less clarity, but more of the like motion, more of the periphery and whatnot. So, yeah, seeing something in the dark out of the corner of your eye, like that makes sense. But like, there's literally no reason why a haunting couldn't or wouldn't happen during the day. And like, some of the experiences that I've had have definitely taken place during the day. And I think that we should see more of that. Like, whether it be in like paranormal exploration like type shows, like I, I try to watch a lot of that shit on YouTube just because it's fun to me, uh, or in movies like this, like do it during the day, make it that much scarier, make it like people. I feel like we we instinctually have this feeling that like the sun means light, warmth, safety. Uh, the 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 bad things in the dark can't get us anymore, and the, that carries over into a lot of monster lore. Uh, and in fact, I, I'll, I'll get into it. But like, I was I just started watching the uh, the Rings of Power, and yeah, yeah. That, that carries over in the York. So like, we have this notion uh, that the the sun will protect us, but why should it? Right. 
I don't think it should. I think creepy shit happens all the time, but you just aren't seeing it during the day because you are not thinking about it. You're not worried about it as much, but it's still fucking there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is still there. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So there is that. We, you know, we had the whole one about Troll Hunter, yep. the first found footage film we did uh, of this month, where the trolls, you know, turned to stone that was, that was uh, during the one. day. That, that was a fun one. It was more fun than I expected it to be. I, I expected it, it to go either like full schlock or to be like scarier. I didn't expect it to be just a fun movie. It was it was a pretty fun movie. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a we we've had a pretty good month. I'm pretty excited uh for you guys to hear our, our new episode on Hell House LLC. But I want to shift gears really quick um because I heard a theory on TikTok today. Okay. And it kind of made me spiral down this like rabbit hole of thought. Interesting. And it's about movies. So here's the theory. Uh, so we're going to jump ahead and we're going to talk about the movie, The Matrix. Oh. In The Matrix, uh, Morpheus is talking to Neo when he first comes to the real world. Okay. And, you know, and Neo says, like, how did this happen? And he says, well, at the turn of the century, all of mankind was gathered together and marveled at our creation. We had created and given birth to AI you know, uh, artificial intelligence. Sure. Eventually, you know, we we had them powered by the sun. Eventually, the robots started being like, you know, uh, iRobot style being like, we don't need you fuckers nope. around anymore. Fuck out of here. And they learned that the human humans could basically be a battery um, after the humans decided just to nuke the sun to, to depower all the robots. The robots were like, fine, we'll just use you as batteries. And there was a robot uprising that led to where we are now in the real world matrix. Okay. I'm with you. The Terminator movies are a prequel to the matrix. Go on. So the events of Terminator is we invent AI Mm -hmm. and robots. Mm -hmm. Robots eventually rise into power Mm -hmm. and fight back. Now, the only person that has this knowledge is Sarah Connor, Mm -hmm who then in part sends it to John Connor, who is the first Neo. Because he understands in the future that this is, that the, you know, the robots rose up. He sees them rise to power. He sees the robots take over. They create the Matrix okay. to basically lock us out. And the Matrix would be the time travel, but it's really just the world that they've created to keep us satiated and sedated. Uh, and John Connor is, because they say in the Matrix, in like the third Matrix, that, that you know, Thomas Anderson is not the first Neo. He wasn't the first time that Neo regenerates. And in, in the newest Matrix um, movie, the fourth Matrix movie, he even says like, he what he isn't neo the first time we see him he mm-hmm. turns back into what we see as neo um so that john connor is was the first chosen one inside of the matrix because he was the one who knew that it was in fact a matrix because you know he kind of grew up with it and and put himself in it and the terminator movies are the prequel that's what happens before the matrix actually happens interesting that's that's the theory right interesting I feel like I would have a stronger opinion if I had watched the Terminator movies. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I think so. But I, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. All right, I'm, cool, I'm cool. Smelling yeah. the time travel shit you're stepping in. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because that's, that's uh, I think that's a really interesting theory. If, you know, you say, like, the Terminator movies is is, is the robot uprising, yeah. and then the Matrix is thousands, you know, a thousand years after that robot uprising, when they've eventually just won, created this world, and built into what they've uh, essentially done. And that is that is where we are in the future, or however many hundred years later, or whatever it is. No, that does track. Uh, from the Terminator. That's, that's, yeah. That is a, a really interesting theory. And I would be... I would be really curious to to see if the, the Wachowskis have any opinions on that. I would be really, you know, because it's it's uh, only Lana Wachowski now mm-hmm. who came back for the final one. Mm-hmm. She was the only one of of the Wachowski uh, um, siblings to come back for the for the final film. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, I don't remember her name, um, but the other Wachowski was it Lily. I've- it I've, could be I, Lily. I know they both begin with an L, if I'm not mistaken, but I do not remember her name uh, for the life of me. Uh, um, Lana and Lily. Yeah, I was right. <laughs> Lana and Lily. Yeah. So, so Lily didn't come back for the fourth one, and I'd be very curious to see if you know. I, I the fourth one did not do well in the public eye, so I'd be very curious to see if they ever do make a fifth one or any sort of other property. Um, it seems like Lana kind of wrapped this one up pretty well. Lana's got dope ass uh, hair. She really does. It's like, yeah, almost like locked out, like tight braided, and then just in vivid colors. That's like different every picture. Like, fuck yeah, Lana. She, she looks like the lead singer of Four Non Blondes, <laughs> uh, like a lot. Like they look so much like each other. Like they have the same. Well, at the time, had the same. Uh, that's Linda Perry. It also begins with an L. Hey, uh, that's Linda Perry. Um, but they, you know, back when Four Non Blondes were a thing, mm-hmm. you know, they they kind of had the same hair. You know that Lana has now. Um, I think that's pretty interesting. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so like she she was pretty clear to basically say, you know, Lana was in interviews like, yeah, this could be the last one. Sure. You know, like maybe, but like it could be. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I'd be very curious to see if they ever did anything that. But I would love to hear their theories when someone says, yeah, this is actually uh, the, the Terminator is a unofficial prequel to, uh, to the Matrix. I would be shocked if it wasn't at least an inspiration, just given the, the time frame when the, the tournament Terminator movies originally released versus when the Matrix was released, there was plenty of time for the Wachowskis to have been inspired by that and to create their, oh, sure. their post robot uprising world. Uh, if not directly based on at least like at least subconsciously inspired by, uh, because I mean, I don't, I feel like other than the matrix, there is no more famous, uh, robot uprising story than Terminator. Oh yeah, uh, definitely. So, so the term Terminator two came out in, uh, 1991. The matrix came out in 1999. Um, so, you know, and the original Terminator was 1984. So like, you know, especially from 1991 to 1999, there there is no way. I mean, I you know, I remember this. Like, I remember Terminator 2 coming out because uh, I was about ten. We were ten, yeah. uh, when this came out, um, and I remember it being a huge movie. I remember you know owning the VHS tape and watching that movie, um, and then you know watching the original Terminator and it just being a huge deal. Um, you know, mainly because uh, Buttkiss was in that movie. <laughs> uh, that was uh, Buttkiss from uh, from uh, uh, Camp Onawana. What, yep. what was the name of that? A salute your shorts. Yep. Uh, yeah, so he was in that movie, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's that's Buttkiss! What the what the heck?" Yeah, and I mean, the the Wachowskis were both born in like the mid to late '60s, so they would have been 
you know, like teenagers or like early 20-somethings when the original Terminator came out. Uh, and they would have been, you know, potentially starting their their writing career. So it's not not a far step to say that their first big breakthrough hit was inspired by movies that they were going to see in theaters in their young lives. So like, it all yeah. works out really well. I, I think that that's fascinating. I, I it's an interesting theory, right? I, mm-hmm. I saw that theory and I really thought it out, and I was like, no, I. I think there's some merit to this, even if it's unofficial. I think there's some merit to that. Absolutely. I always forget that they were involved with not only V for Vendetta, but also uh, Cloud Atlas, which was oh, a, right. a fantastic story and a really interesting book, too. We, uh, we have it on our shelf, uh, David Mitchell, really interesting writer. Uh, but like, just what a trip of a, of a story that is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, in general, does it really like that's a really interesting take, not necessarily on time travel, but just on playing with time. Uh, and yeah, I, I just I loved the their visual style approach to that as well. Uh, but we so we here at, at Night Shift Radio, we we had a, a new show that launched recently uh, that uh, that just came to an end of its uh, first season. So kind of unofficially. Uh, on hold for now, that being uh, Tipples and Tolkien, uh, yeah. our, our wonderful uh, social media manager M's uh, uh, take on the the Rings of Power series, as well as just all things Tolkien lore and uh, fun cocktails to go along with it. Uh, I have intentionally avoided listening to the show so far because I knew that uh, she and I were going to get real deep into the lore and get real nerdy and spoilery, and I can't wait to hear it. But I have not read. Uh, honestly, I haven't even read the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I read The Hobbit as a, as a kid, and uh, that was just wordy enough at a time where I just I, I really needed to get through a project, and I picked the lo- <laughs> a longer book than I should have. Uh, and it's yeah. not even that I didn't enjoy it. It's just like, ah, oh, fuck, this is taking me too long. I gotta I gotta get through this for this project. Um, I think I. I did a really weird thing where I picked like The Hobbit in 1984 as a like compare and contrast. Uh, it was nerd. it was a very ambitious paper. Um, <laughs> I don't remember uh, if I pulled it off. I'm sure it was complete derivative drivel uh, because I, I I didn't really know what I was talking about. But it was a bold move, and I think I got points for trying. Um, but that is to say, like I haven't read the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I certainly haven't read the Silmarillion or any of the other like lost tales of Tolkien. Uh, I have watched enough YouTube videos and like gone down like wiki uh, rabbit holes and whatnot enough to have a sense of what's going on. But I really wanted to watch the show first. And we finally sat down and we started watching it recently. Uh, we're just past the halfway point, And I am loving it. It is like... Ew. So there, there's a few moments where it is very clearly something happened with the decision making, whether it was budgetary or... Uh, or you know, access to resources, or corner cutting, or what? But some of the CGI is fucking awful. Uh, the first time we see yeah. the, the one of the wargs, uh, I laughed at how comical its face was. Uh, but otherwise, visually, visually stunning. Uh, the storytelling so far is really fun. I like the characters that they have chosen to follow uh, and give us background to, or not, uh, as the case may be. There's a lot of mystery. I love that there's like I, I remember seeing all the social posts for tipples and token in the first yeah. few episodes so i was like 
so do you think this person could be Sauron, or is it this person, or you know, now we know for sure that this person is definitely Sauron, except they might not be, and I'm like, ah! So, you know, watching it, I'm like, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. Like, there's a lot of mystery here, uh, and there's a lot of shady fucks in this world. Um, I have to say, though, some interesting casting decisions. Uh, first of all, having young Elrond look... Uh, a little too much look and act, I should say, uh, a little too much like young um, uh, Robert Pattinson. No, um, oh, hello there, Ewan McGregor. Oh, he's, Ewan McGregor, he a, uh, a little bit. He has a very, very Ewan McGregor vibe to him. He doesn't necessarily look like him, but like his like his facial structure and then his delivery of lines sounds like it. it like it kind of takes me out of it a little bit. Uh, that is not to say that, uh, oh, let me find the actor's name so I can give proper credit. Uh, Robert Aramayo, not to say that he is at all doing a bad job with this character. I, I would not yeah. say that at all. Uh, it just, it takes me a little bit out of it because I'm like, oh, hello there, Elrond. I do have to <laughs> warn you, do not poke around the IMDb too much. Okay, I won't, I won't. I'm just looking at the, yeah. the cast list right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't, don't look at the cast list, but then, uh, just in case. Who, so... Th- Speaking of, I can look for you. Speaking <laughs> of the, the Matrix, um, remind me the f- phenomenal actor, just legendary man who plays Elrond in the the Lord of the Rings trilogy, as well as uh, the agent in uh, the Matrix trilogy. Ah, yes. Uh, who also, uh, coincidentally enough, is um, uh, in V for Vendetta. Yes. He plays uh, V. Yep. Uh, and that, of course, would be uh, that actor's name. Is uh, it Hugo Weaving? Uh, Hugo Weaving. Yes. It yes. came to me eventually. Yep. Uh, so I, I just, it is weird to go from Hugo Weaving uh, to this younger guy. It's it's a little bit jarring. It's not bad casting. It's just it's a little jarring. Uh, the other thing that I think was a little bit weird uh, Charlie Vickers as Hallbrand. Uh, I, I, I'm calling it now at episode six, I think five or no episode five. Uh, I think he's a fake out. I think we, he, he looks, he looks too much like he could have been Vigo's son that like, it feels like a fake out. Like you're like, Oh, there's this whole return of the King plot that ha- is happening that like, I know Tolkien does reuse some of these themes throughout his writing. So it's not like this is, you know, directly ripping off the Lord of the Rings movies or something like that. Like, but like, it just, it feels too much. And obviously don't tell me, but it feels too much. Like we're being set up to expect that like, Oh, well, Halbrand looks just like Aragorn. So clearly like he's, he's super important and he must be the King, but like, you can't fool me. I was there the day the strength of men failed. Uh, <laughs> I was there 3000 years ago. So actually though, um, we do know who Aragorn's father is in the show yeah. because he does actually say his name in the Peter Jackson movies. Yeah, yeah. And it's Isildur. Well, Aragorn, Uh, son of Arathorn, but he is in Isildur's line. Son of Isildur, yeah. Like, you know, over the period of, you know, 3,000 years or whatever between the fall of Sauron and the return of the king era. Um, Yeah. There was obviously a number of of men in that lineage, but traced back to Isildur, son of Elendil, who, you know, we, we meet both of these characters. So, like... I want to know how those dots get connected, uh, like how these uh, yeah. 
outcast nobles, so to speak, from a, a far-off you know, country of Numenor, which is also mentioned in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. We know about Numenor, yeah. uh, how they become uh, so critically important in the battle against Sauron and become you know, the lineage of kings tracing down to Aragorn when we've got this motherfucker who is supposedly the king of the Southlands and looks just like Aragorn. <laughs> I, I, yeah, he, he definitely has like, he has that swagger about him. That's like, oh, you're, you've got Vigo written all over yep. you. And it's, yeah, it's you, well executed too. Yeah. I, he doesn't really get, you know, we, we got a few other new characters too, as well. Like you have a Rondir, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who is, is the, the, the main elf we see in the uh, elf in the beginning. Love him. Um, you know, the, uh, I forgot what her name is and I can't find it right now. Galadriel? Um, but, uh, no, oh. um, the, uh, the woman oh, to which Bronwyn. he, uh, Bronwyn. Yes. Yeah. So the woman that he, you know, so those are two brand new characters, ah. uh, you know, to, to the world yeah. uh, of the history. And then of course, my favorite characters, uh, were of course, Diza and Durin, yes. uh, who <laughs> I think were underutilized. Oh my God. Just the- <laughs> I mean, even though we see them a lot, I still was like, I would take a whole series just about Diza and Durin, yes. like only about them. Show me the dwarves man, in the mountain. That was cool. Show me the dwarves yeah. in the mountain any day because I love them. And like, like, even like with having uh, been given however many years ago the the Hobbit movies to like fill in more of that, and like we learn more about the dwarves in that story than we do yeah. really in uh, the Lord of the Rings, because in Lord of the Rings the dwarves are more of like a like a, a almost like a fallen society at this point, where they're still mm-hmm. like they're not at their height, but they're still there trying to reclaim former glory in the Hobbit, and we learn that you know Thorin is of Durin's line, and then we go even further back and we get to. Meet Meet Durin, who is Durin the the fourth or whatever, whatever. <laughs> so the other Durin in the Hobbit is like Durin the eighth yeah. or something. Yeah, because that because I think the Durin in this is Durin from the Hobbit's like great great grandfather. So I think he's like third or fourth down the line from this Durin. It's got to be something like that because uh, like dwarves live a longer life than mortal men, but they're not immortal. Yes. So like it wouldn't be the same guy you know, 3000 years from now uh, right. as uh, like that. And I also love that like that like just kind of it could easily be a throwaway line but it was delivered so well like the the greatest thing a, a dwarf can do in life is to earn the you know the name of his father or something like that like yeah. that's a really cool way to uh, address the like the way that uh, the the naming lineage happens and then you know we have our secret name uh, so it's it's kind of like the kings of uh, of Europe would take on a a uh, like a a name at their christening or at their crowning. I should right. say, sorry, uh, uh, rather than well, like Charles, uh, King Charles. Right now, his name isn't really Charles; it's something else. Um, but I think he took or no, not no. Uh, no I'm thinking of the Queen. Yes. Uh, she was not actually an Elizabeth. She's uh, whatever, but, and she took on that name. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how many have done that throughout time, but it, it was a fairly common thing in Europe uh, for kings and queens to take on a, a new name when they ascend to the throne. And I always thought that that was strange, but I guess like it, it sticks with that. Like you can have the association of former greatness. Yeah. Uh, it is, you know, I, uh, I was a big fan, uh, of the series. Uh, I'm really excited for you to finish it mm-hmm. and we can talk about it, even though for those of you listening and watching, it's already done, yeah. right? You've already watched the whole thing. You know, all the seat. Well, 
you know, like half the secrets, you know, all the <laughs> secrets that were shown. So like you're, you're already there. Uh, but so I'm really excited for you, uh, to get through this and, and for us to talk about it. Cause I think, uh, it's going to be really interesting. And for those of you that maybe did watch the show or you are going to pick it up and start watching it now. Yeah. Tipples and Tolkien is available uh, wherever you get your podcast. You can follow along. Eyes and M do a really great job of doing lore dives mm -hmm. without, uh, you know, with a little bit of speculation, but no full on like, yep, it's definitively this person, except for Eyes uh, definitively called one person for every single episode. And we'll have to find <laughs> out if he was right. Uh, but he was like, nope, it's this. And, uh, and so we'll see. We'll see. Love you got to listen to the listen to the series to see if he if he turned out to be right. Uh, yeah. So uh, that, you know, we got Tibbles and Tolkien uh, coming up this month after. After October, we're going to have a brand new podcast, The Fourth Pillar of Play, which we talked about earlier. We're going to have them on an episode, and we're going to watch the movie Cull the Conqueror, yeah, um, which is going to be pretty fun because they are a Dungeons & Dragons design podcast. Um, so that's going to be really cool. Their trailer episode is available now with the first episode dropping on November 7th. Uh, so you definitely want to keep an eye out for that. I love that because, I mean, the, there are a lot of shows out there doing Dungeons & Dragons play alongs or like bringing you yep. along on a campaign or you get to hear people do them. Like uh, there's not a lot that really dives into how to play or more specifically how to design for players. And so I, I yeah. love what they're doing. They're really, really like deeply passionate about it. We've got, we got to hear their initial uh, like kind of pilot episode and it was brilliant. So can't wait for y'all to listen. It's going to be very exciting. But of course, we have one more episode left for this month, and that is Hell House LLC. It's the last found footage film uh, that we're doing for this month, you know, uh, made by Casey Ryan, as we talked about in the uh, beginning of the episode. So you definitely want to make sure you're subscribed so you can get notified when that episode drops this coming Sunday. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And for those of you watching on YouTube, Hey, subscribe. If you haven't already, make sure to do so. We drop brand new episodes like this every Thursday, so you want to check that out as well. And then, of course, for those of you on your podcast player of choice, make sure to subscribe as well. And, uh, you know, leave a rating and review if your podcast player supports that sort of thing. It's super helpful for us, and it only takes you a minute. You can even, uh, it would be very grateful. You can even say that this, this should be called The Fart Show, because it's just a couple of assholes talking. <laughs> We will take it. I will take any review you want to drop. <laughs> so, hey, thanks a lot for watching uh, on YouTube. Thanks a lot for listening. We super appreciate it. And you know what? As always, make sure to share with 100,000 of your closest chosen one Matrix people. And, you know, they too will uh, know Kung Fu. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot for joining us, everyone. And we will see you on Sunday.